Okay, so wishing everyone, first of all, Gemar uh, Chatimatova. Nice to see those of you who reveal your appearance on the screen. The rest of you are hiding. Uh, at least I see your names, so I know who you are. Uh, and it's good to be together, even only virtually, uh, for this uh, discussion pre, uh, pre-Yom Kippur. Um, what I would like to talk about, really, and to get us into the uh, to the mind, mindset of Yom Kippur. Obviously, for me, I it, obviously for for me, it's uh, already air of Yom Kippur very early in the morning. For you guys, it's uh, the night before. But we're both on the air of Yom Kippur, so thinking about the significance of the day, and. Uh, Hopefully, we've been preparing throughout the month of Elul and uh, the month of, and of course, the Aserat Yimei for this, um, for the uh, ultimate finale of Yom Kippur. And so, what I'd like to uh, explore, and I think to get us into the right mindset, is um, just a basic question about the nature of Yom Kippur. Just a, a very basic question about it, because uh, we, of course, are accustomed from our youth to thinking of the time of Aseret Yemei Teshuvah and the time of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur in particular, but Aseret Yemei Teshuvah, the whole period, as a time of Hashem judging, uh, judging humanity, judging the Jewish people, uh, making decisions uh, with regard to our faith for the coming year. And uh, this is embedded in our tradition. This is something that we, uh, that we mention, obviously, in the Tfilot uh, and we, it, it's uh, not only in the tefillot, but it's uh, in, in every reference to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, even outside of the prayers, uh, we, are, I, we identify them as Yemei Hadin, day of, days of judgment. We wish each other that Hashem should inscribe us and seal us for a good year, which implies, of course, that there is a decision-making process, so to speak, going on at this time, and that we are, uh, and that our future is going to be determined during this time. And the metaphor of writing, inscribing, there's a certain permanence to it. There's a certain um, authoritative quality to the uh, to what's being uh, what's being established for the for the future for all of us. And of course, that that can seem uh, uh, overwhelming. That can seem. Uh, intimidating. That's somewhat. I, I don't want to say frightening, but uh, it's a, it's a serious it's a serious prospect. And we do call this time Yemi Menoraim. Yemi Menoraim means that there are days of awesome days. Days of uh, literally, it means days that we fear, uh, but we, we we don't like to use that term in the sense of uh, fear, in the sense of a visceral fear, but in the sense of reverence and seriousness. Uh, in the uh, when we reflect upon. The significance of this of this time. So, so when we uh, when we think about the uh, uh, the Hadin, the days of judgment, I think that one of the things that is important to reflect upon uh, and to consider is how exactly does it work that there's a deadline, there's a divine deadline for God to determine our future. Is it uh, you know we understand that when it comes to work deadlines, uh, those are very important because uh, if certain work needs to be done or tasks need to be accomplished by a particular day or a particular, uh, you know, a particular point in time, so then we're responsible to that point in time. But what compels God to have a deadline for his work that he has to judge uh, humanity on a particular day, Rosh Hashanah, and he has to come to a final decision about their fate by Yom Kippur, uh, it doesn't seem like Hashem should be subject to any uh, deadlines or sort of subject to any, uh, any kind of requirement. On the contrary, it would seem 
that that restricts God. I mean, why can't Hashem decide at every moment? Maybe on Yom Kippur, you're not going to be having your best day. Maybe you're going to be having, uh, maybe you're going to be uh, uninspired and you're going to feel that, uh, and you're not really going to connect with the message of the day. But then uh, three days later, right before Sukkot, somehow you have an awakening and an epiphany and you, uh, you decide to return to the Derech Tshuva and, uh, and become a righteous person. Maybe that's too soon because, of course, we do say that, you know, up till Hoshana Rabbah, there's still somewhat of a, it's still somewhat open-ended. So let's not use that example. Let's say a few weeks later, let's say uh, November, you decide to turn your life around and become a better person. Why is it that uh, God had to make the decision on Yom Kippur? In other words, what, it seems like a, um, generally speaking, we try to avoid the idea of attributing to Hashem any kind of anthropomorphic idea that he uh, he has to he has a deadline he has to make a decision by a certain time he's he he needs to uh, inscribe things in a book he has homework to do I mean it's a strange uh, I- image of uh, the boy olam that the creator in in some way is is uh, limited he can't make a decision a month from now if the situation changes he can't make a decision that's different from the decision he makes today uh, that's. That seems odd. I mean, uh, that restricts the independence of Hashem. So, so, so if a person becomes better later on, or, or let's say they become worse later on, so Hashem can't, uh, can't now uh, take away from uh, some of the uh, blessings He was going to give them. I don't want to wish that on anybody, obviously, but I'm saying that why should Hashem be limited by time schedule and have to put in a decision by a certain uh, day when it would seem better, it would seem more divine and more godly to say that in every moment Hashem reassesses, Hashem can see the reality of every moment. He knows where we stand at any particular time. And based upon that, his relationship with us is constantly uh, evolving. In other words, why does it have to be restricted by a particular time? And uh, this question is, uh, I think, a really important question for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur to understand that the way that... Uh, uh, the, the way that it works. And I had mentioned in another shiur, I think I might have mentioned in um, in uh, the shiur of Rosh Hashanah uh, not long ago, uh, an important statement of the Rambam. But of course, the Rambam, everything that he writes, he's, he, he's taking from the, from the Talmud, he's taking from Masechet Rosh Hashanah in this case, or Masechet uh, Yoma, which are the two tractates that deal uh, most exhaustively with, uh, <clears throat> with the holidays of Rosh, uh, obviously with this period of time. And I had mentioned one of the things that the Rambam says, uh, which we know that the rabbis say that anything you're going to pray for, anything you're going to wish for, anything you're going to, uh, any change you're going to implement in your life, you, you should do it at this time. Because Hashem is closer at this time, which is a very strange thing to say. The way the Rambam words it is, even though teshuva and tzaka, even though repentance and crying out to God, they're good always. During the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, it's, ex- it's especially good. It's, it's accepted right away. So uh, he, he makes it a little bit less about Hashem being closer to us, but he does quote the Pasuk, Seek Hashem when He is found. Call Him when He is close. Okay, And the rabbis interpret this, Throughout uh, Midrash and Gemara, the rabbis interpret it as meaning Hashem is closer, so to speak. He's more accessible during Aseret Yemei Teshuvah, during the 10 days of repentance time that we're in right now, and of course, on Yom Kippur. So, but, so it sounds like Hashem somehow is a more accessible. He's, Hashem is changing. 
but, it, but that's not the case because then the Rambam says, Bamed varim amurim, bayachit. This is only an individual. But really the community, whenever they cry out to Hashem with a complete heart, they could be answered. Because the Torah says that whenever we as the Jewish people call out to Hashem, He answers us. So I think what, what the Rambam is doing by connecting these two things and saying that only the individual, in other words, each of us, we have a more of an opportunity now to, uh, to connect with Hashem, to have our prayers heard, to have our teshuvah accepted now than at any other time. But if the entire community came together at another, uh, on another day during the calendar, and, uh, and as one unit, Am Yisrael, the Jewish people, did teshuvah uh, at another time, it also would have the power of Yom Kippur. Now, what does that mean? What is that showing you? I'm not trying to downplay Yom Kippur, but what it shows you is that the essence of Yom Kippur the essence of it is that it's a communal teshuvah. That's the power of it. Because he's saying really that for an individual, they need Yom Kippur because an individual cannot compel the entire Jewish people to do teshuvah at any other time. But the community's power is wielded, so to speak, on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the day that the community's teshuvah reaches its height and the individual is a part of the community, therefore gets that benefit. Now, if the community any other day had a similar inspiration and created a Yom Kippur in the middle of February, uh, potentially that could have the same impact according to the way the Rambam is presenting it. If they had a fast day and everybody did a totally transformative type of teshuvah as a group, it could also have that power because what is it that limits us or that makes uh, or to put it the other way, what is it that uh, allows a Seret Yimei Tshuva to be so powerful, to be so, uh, so helpful to, uh, to us in our growth? What allows that is that we're doing it together. In other words, if a person tries to change, they try to implement a change in their life on their own as an individual, it's very difficult because you're going against the grain. Everybody looks at you and says, oh, what happened to you? You became so religious. What happened to you that you, you, you decided to change? What, 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 you know, what, what happened that uh, you're different from us? Why are you going in a different direction? Uh, whereas when everybody is thinking about Teshuvah, when everybody is contemplating the possibility of a better life or improving themselves or trying to grow, now that momentum makes it easier for us. It opens the door for us to connect. And that's what I think is really the power of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. In other words, why did Hashem make Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur? Like I was mentioning before, He doesn't need a time limit. He doesn't need a deadline. He shouldn't be constricted and say, I have to put in my answer by this time. You know, sometimes you have in life certain answer you have to put in by a particular time and you're just going to have to live with it. Are you going to accept the decision? Which school are you going to go to? You have to decide, you know, which, uh, I don't know, uh, which uh, bank are you going to go with for something? Which car are you going to get? Whatever it is, which house, whatever you decide, you, you, have a, you have two choices, three choices, you have to decide, and then you have to stick with the decision, and the decision is made, and, 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 uh, and, and there's no turning back. You can't just revise the decision, but Hashem is not limited, so why should Hashem be uh, constricted? So the answer is that it's not that Hashem is constricted. It's that Hashem in the mitzvot of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur that He gives us is working within our framework. Hashem's uh, manner of, of interacting with humanity as He interacts with us in terms of the way that we function best. And how do the Jewish people, how do human beings function best? Human beings function best with a deadline. That's the reality. When things are open-ended, when things are indefinite, we don't function well. So Hashem's system of 
dealing with us as Jewish people and as individuals is expressed through the way that we function. It's expressed in the way that we can understand and relate to and respond to. It's not that Hashem needed it to be that way. It's that we need it to be that way. And we know one of the principles in the way that Hashem manages and deals with his creatures is he always does it through th- from their perspective, not from his own. In other words, a good teacher, Hashem is, is teaching us, Hashem is guiding us. A good teacher doesn't teach the material that they uh, you know, at the level that they understand it or in a way that they will understand it or present it in it through a medium that is best for them. They try to understand where the student is coming from and present the material in a, in a manner, in, a, in words or through the right media that the audience will relate to. That's why, you know, now education is adapting to the fact that kids are in front of screens all the time. So everything, that all of the, you know, smart boards or, or uh, uh, the different kinds of, uh, you know, uh, computers that they give the kids and different devices, things are done through videos and through apps and all that because that's where the children's minds are nowadays. So the, a good teacher, an educator needs to, uh, or even a good leader, Moshe Rabbeinu, in order to relate to the people, he had to present the Torah, he had to present the wisdom of Torah in a way that was digestible and relatable to human beings, not in a way that was understandable to him, but in a way that would be understandable to, uh, uh, to, uh, to us, to the people, to our, his students. And so, in the same way, Hashem packages, so to speak, the way he relates to us in a way that, it, you know, in a form that we can respond to that's going to be best for us. So yes, he didn't have to have a deadline. He didn't have to have uh, a limit on his decision making that it's on Yom Kippur. But our nature is that we respond to deadlines. Our nature is that we need a definite sense of the beginning, middle, and end. We need to know that there's a moment of truth. That's how we function best. And so therefore Hashem presented to us, or Hashem structured the way He relates to us, just like a teacher structures their classroom or their lesson, uh, or a leader structures the, the, their manner of governance, the way that they govern in a, in a form that is most understandable and relatable and accessible, to the ones who are the recipients. And that's the, if you look at the way, uh, even the government of the United States, uh, you know, politicians, they have to present their agenda or their vision in a way that people relate to and get excited about, connect with, feel that they understand, even if they don't understand even one one thousandth of what actually is going on with all these different uh, agendas and plans and projects and all that. But it needs to be something that they can connect to, that they can get behind and support or uh, relate to somehow. So it's put into sound bites and digestible uh, uh, mottos and phrases and ideas that people uh, can rally around. And the same is true with, as I mentioned before, in school, a good teacher is going to present the lesson in a way that the students can absorb. And we to absorb the idea of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we need the structure of a time schedule. So that's what the Rambam really uh, sort of opens to us here. He says, it's not that Teshuvah has to be on a time schedule. It's not that there needs to be a deadline because Hashem is constricted. It's that during the time of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the community is united in Teshuvah. We're united in Teshuvah because we're commanded to be united in Teshuvah. 
And so therefore, we, we're told that one time a year, we must all as a community have a period uh, where we reflect upon our, uh, our current state and try to improve it and pave a path for the next year that's going to be better. Because we're all involved in that, we are closest to Hashem, which doesn't mean that Hashem changes. It means that we change. Our mode of thinking, our attitude, our uh, perspective right now is the clearest in terms of standing in the presence of God. And that's the next halakha the Rambam brings. He says, Yom Kippurim is the time of repentance for everybody, individual and community. And it's the end of forgiveness and absolution for the Jewish people. In other words, Hashem set it up that way for Am Yisrael, that it's Zman Teshuvah. It's a time that we all participate in Teshuvah. And therefore the Rambam says, Everyone has to do Teshuvah such that they can do a vidui, a meaningful confession on Yom Kippur. In other words, we're all obligated to reach into ourselves during this time and make some steps in the right direction. That's how the communal Teshuvah works, that each person participates in their own way, takes their own steps forward, in the direction of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in the direction of Hashem, in the direction of Torah and the values of Torah and making sure that our lives reflect our values and reflect our principles because one of the, as I mentioned in the past, one of the metaphors that Rambam likes to use for the person who is not doing Teshuvah as a person is in dreamland, he's sleeping, like he talks about the shofar, it's like a person is sleeping and they're woken up by the bell of the shofar because in a dream, things that don't make sense can coexist side by side. And in the dream, it seems normal. And you don't even notice that there's anything weird. But then when you wake up and you think about the dream that you had, suddenly you realize that the dream didn't make any sense. And you wonder how you were able to be in that dream and not call out the fact that it was illogical and made no sense. Okay, That's how our lives are a lot of the times. We're doing things that are not really consistent with the values that we preach. We're, uh, you know, we, make, uh, we, we respond in ways or we behave in ways that or our character is such that it's not consistent with the truths that we subscribe to and that we believe in. And, and yet we allow that to coexist. We allow the beliefs and the convictions to coexist with behavior that falls short of those beliefs and convictions. And what, what the shofar is supposed to do is wake us up to that, that we're living in a dream. We're living in a condition where we're able to accept contradiction and fantasy and illusion. And we need to start moving towards a more realistic, more truthful and genuine way of life. And that's Yom Kippur brings us to the... Uh, to the height of that. It brings us to the top of that uh, and the final destination of that. But it's, it works because Hashem commanded all of us to engage in Teshuvah. Normally, what is, the precipita- what is the precipitating cause of Teshuvah? Normally, when we do a sin, we make a mistake, we're supposed to immediately, uh, the halacha is, uh, the mitzvah is, when a person does a sin, they should reflect on it, they should realize it, they should do teshuvah, they should regret it. They go through the whole process that we know of recognizing the sin, realizing why it was wrong, committing never to do it again, feeling regret, so on and so forth. All of these elements of teshuvah are supposed to happen every time a person does something wrong. Obviously, it doesn't always work that way, but it's supposed to work that way. Here, we just have a blanket commandment to do teshuvah. In other words, even if there's no sin on your mind right now that you're thinking that you did, even if there's nothing in particular that you uh, feel, that you are moving in the wrong direction. It's a time to reflect and take a full, uh, uh, take a full accounting of who you are and where you stand in, in terms of your relationship to Hashem, in terms of your participation in God's plan. And that's why Rosh Hashanah really sets the framework. Because Rosh Hashanah reminds us who the real king is, what the ultimate reality is, what the ultimate truth is. 
and that God is the king of the universe. He has a plan. He knows all of us intimately, better than we know ourselves, actually. And that if we want to be a part of that plan, we have to get on board with it. We have to take action to be a part of it. We can't sit back and expect that, uh, uh, you know, that, that reality is going to flow in accordance with the way we want it to be. We need to improve ourselves and bring ourselves in line with Hashem's plan and Hashem's design. That's what the Teshuvah is about. It's not about a particular sin that precipitated the Teshuvah like it normally would be, but it's about digging in more deeply to find the areas that we can improve. <clears throat> and because we're engaged in that, that brings us closer to God, closer to God in Judaism doesn't mean being in a physical place closer to God because that's impossible. Hashem is not, is not physical. What it means is in a mental place we're closer to Hashem. Our awareness of Hashem is heightened a thousandfold maybe during this time. We even cha- change our tefillot to say HaMelech HaKadosh. HaMelech HaMishpat. The sense of Hashem's malchut. The, Shem, the sense of Hashem's design and mastery of the universe and our standing before Him as creatures who are subject to His will and His plan. That is never more pronounced than it is during this time uh, of Aseret Yimei Teshuvah. That's what it's about. And so that's what Hashem wants in order for us to be able to make breakthroughs in our growth. If there were never a Yom Kippur, it wouldn't happen. Hashem could judge us every single second and basically calibrate His relationship with us based on our state at any particular moment. And to some extent, you know, to some extent, that's true that there are times when Hashem's uh, uh, providence extends to someone uh, to greater extent than at other times. That's true. But overall, our growth, for our growth to take place, there needs to be a time of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur where we can make breakthroughs in our development. And so the schedule, so to speak, the the writing and the sealing, the deadline is not a function of Hashem's nature. It's a function of our nature that we needed to push us forward to the next level. In fact, the Sefer HaChinuch, a beautiful, uh, a beautiful uh, Sefer that I hope some of you are familiar with, maybe all of you are familiar with. It's called, I think, the, they have an English version of it. I, I think there used to be a Feldheim and I think, or, or some other publisher, maybe Mosnaim, I don't remember. And now I think Art School might be putting it out, I'm not sure. But they have Sefer HaChinuch is basically a list of, it's not a list. It's a book on the 613 mitzvot. For each one of the 613 mitzvot, it explains the source of the mitzvah, the basics of observing the mitzvah, the reason for the mitzvah to the extent that we understand it. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful sefer to have. A lot of times it's given out for bar and bat mitzvah or for other uh, occasions. Because it covers all 613 mitzvot. And it goes according to Parashat HaShavuah. So a person who wants to learn each week what are the mitzvot on the Parashat HaShavuah, they can do it. But one of the things he says in there in, uh, when he talks about Yom Kippur is he says that Yom Kippur is important because if, the, if there were no Yom Kippur, then our sins would just keep piling up and piling up and piling up. And there would be no end to it. So Hashem in his chesed gave us Yom Kippur as a day that we can clear off, start with a clean slate. We can wipe out all the sins that have accumulated over the past year and we can start fresh. And so what does that mean? That the sins would keep accumulating and piling up. What does it mean? I mean, why can't Hashem then just forgive us? Why does he have to have Yom Kippur? If Hashem is worried that our sins are going to pile up and it's going to be too much, so why not just forgive us? 
Why not just let us let it go? Why does he have to have a uh, Yom Kippur to 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 enable <coughs> to enable himself to let it go? If he's so worried that our sins are going to pile up and we're going to be destroyed, so allow him to so he can just forgive us. Why is it on us? What's the answer? It doesn't mean that our sins are going to pile up and Hashem is going to have a problem. It means we're going to have a problem, and that's always the way it works. The Torah is not for Hashem; the Torah is for us. So what it means is that. If our, when you get, and everyone can relate to this, when you get in a rut, okay, when you get stuck, you get to a point that you feel, I will never be able to get out of this. I'm never going to get better in this. I'm never going to change. This is just the way I am. This is the way I am. I've always been like this. And as time goes on, we become more entrenched in the way that we are. We become more attached to our bad habits. We become more identify. We identify ourselves even more with our flawed character traits and we can't even see a light at the end of the tunnel or a possibility of renewal or change. We say, what good does it do for me to change now? I've been like this all along. I've been like this my whole life. Who am I fooling by pretending and acting like I can uh, start all over again uh, at this stage of life? And the point, and the point is that what the, what the, uh, what the, Sefer HaChinuch is trying to say, and interestingly, the Ralbag also, when he talks about Yom Kippur, and when he talks about bringing korbanot, people would bring in the times of the Beit HaMikdash, if they did a sin, they would bring a korban. Certain types of sins would bring a korban. And the Ralbag says, what's the point of the korban? Ultimately, Hashem just wants a person to do Teshuvan, be better. Why do they need to bring a korban? And so the Ralbag explains similarly, that we need a sense of closure. A person will never feel that they can escape the burden of the way that they were in the past. They're going to feel that it's always on them. It's always weighing them down. They can't really change because they're going to feel that, they're, that they are restricted by their constricted, held back by the way they were in the past. How can I just erase the past? The past is not going to go away. So they're going to walk around with that burden of guilt or that burden of inadequacy or that burden of feeling uh, unworthy forever. And so what the, what the, uh, what the, the Chachamim are telling us, what the Sefer Chinuch is telling us, what the Ralbag says, is that a person needs closure. So when they would bring a korban, they felt, I did my duty, I did teshuvah. And by bringing this korban, it says it's a kapara, it's an atonement, it cleans my slate, it wipes it, uh, it's now fresh and new, and I can let go of the past, and I can move on to the future. I don't have to allow that sin of the past to influence or weigh upon me as I move forward to a better, uh, in a better direction. This is what a korban would do in the times of the Beit HaMikdash. This is what Yom Kippur does for us. It allows us to feel that we have a new start. We do have a new start. The real new start is within us. The real new start is that we've committed to a new path in life. But in order to solidify that, in order for that really to sink in, that we're beginning anew, there we need the Yom Kippur to cleanse us. We come to Yom Kippur to wipe the slate clean. Yom Kippur is a day where we go to the ultimate extreme in our focus on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Our focus on Hashem reaches its pinnacle on Yom Kippur. We let go of all bodily interests. We let go of the, the body, obviously, uh, as I, I, those of you who might have uh, seen the article that I put in the Mikra'i Kodesh about Yom Kippur, and also I talked about this with the girls in Yerushalayim uh, earlier this week uh, when I visited them, the idea of Inui. Inui is something, means affliction. What does it mean to afflict? When a master afflicts a slave, he withholds from the slave 
food or water or he puts the slave down, basically. It's not about the food or the water so much. It's about the control. It's about the master showing the slave who's boss by demonstrating that he's able to withhold things. That's really what inui is. Inui is not just enslaving somebody. Inui, afflicting somebody, means depriving them in order to demonstrate that you are superior, that you have the power over them. When we, when we do the mitzvah inui of Yom Kippur, we're showing our body who's really in charge. We're showing our emotions that are also connected to our body and the chemicals in our body, who's really in charge. What normal, normally we're befuddled and confused because the, our instinctual impulses, our emotional impulses, the complications that come with being a human being that has a body as well as a soul, um, the body oftentimes tugs the mind in the wrong direction. Sometimes the mind gets the best, uh, gets the upper hand and tugs the body in the right direction, but it doesn't always go the way that it should. Yom Kippur is a day where we commit to be fully mind and, and the body being, uh, being subject to inui, being subject to affliction, meaning being deprived, being shown that it's really secondary, that our essence is our soul, our essence is our mind. And the body shouldn't be in the driver's seat. Now, can we really sustain? And, and therefore, on Yom Kippur, we have the mentioning of Hashem's name uh, by the Kohen Gadol, the entering into the Kodesh HaKodeshim. All of these things, the service of Yom Kippur and all its complexity reflects the Kedushah, the transcendence of Hashem and how small and finite we are and how, inf- and how Hashem is infinite and that we stand in the presence of Hashem, humbled before Hashem, realizing that even for this one day, even the Kohen Gadol can only manage to go into the Kodesh HaKodeshim for a few seconds, for a few moments. That our ability to relate to Hashem is limited because we are bodily creatures, we are physical, we are finite. And, uh, but the alternative is the Sira Mishtalech. The alternative is when we send the scapegoat out into the, uh, you know, it gets sent off the cliff. What does that represent? It represents that if we abandon God, if we try to run away, if we, uh, ab- if we, if we escape into fantasy, it leads to destruction. So that option doesn't work. That option leads to destruction. So what's the only alternative? The only alternative is to approach Hashem to the best of our ability, recognizing our limitations, but to the best of our ability and to say to Hashem, we know what we should be. We know where we should be. We know what the ideal is that our mind and our soul should be the determining factors in our lives, not the body, not allow our emotions or our lesser impulses to get the best of us. We know that's the ideal, but, that, but we also know that we're imperfect. We also know that it's not possible for us to live up to that ideal uh, you know, 365 days a year. So we imitate it. We point to it on Yom Kippur. We show that that's what we want to do. It's a cleansing process because we push everything aside on that day and we immerse ourselves in awareness of Hashem on what the truth is and what the ultimate reality is. And we know that that should be our compass. That should be, our, that should be what we yearn for to, become, to get closer to that ideal. And that we show Hashem. That's why in all the tefillot we say, Do it for you, Hashem. Do it for you, Hashem. Do it for you. What does it mean, do it for you? What, what do we mean, do it for you? Hashem is doing it for him? Hashem, why does Hashem bother with us if he's doing it for him? The idea is that we should realize why does Hashem give us chance after chance to renew ourselves? Why does Hashem give us opportunity after opportunity to do teshuvah? Because we are committed lema'an shimo. We are committed to him, to his plan. We want to come closer to God because that's our intention. That's our aspiration. That's what we're striving for. Even though we fall short of it, 
The fact that that's what we want says a lot about us. Just like I was saying to the girls on Sunday, I said to them, who your role model is tells me more about who you are than almost anything else that, I, that you can tell me. If I know who your role model is, I know what you want to be. What you want to be is who you are. That's what your values are. You might not be there yet in actuality, but that tells me what you're striving for, what direction you're going in, and what your values are. And so when we say to Hashem, save us for the sake of your name, save us because we are your people, save us uh, uh, for the sake of your truth, for the sake of your Torah, and so on and so forth, what we're saying to Hashem is, we know that our ultimate goal in life should be coming close to you, should be fulfilling our mission as Jews in the world. We fall short of it, but we know what it should be. And when we reconnect to it and we immerse ourselves in it for that one day, it lets us release our connection to everything else and see the truth with a very clear perspective. And when we see the truth with a very clear perspective, it's a cleansing experience. It's a restart. We hit the reset button on Yom Kippur. And that reset button that we're able to hit now allows us to start fresh, to feel that we have uh, taken away the burden of all the mistakes of the past and we can start anew. That's really what Yom Kippur does for us. It allows us to refocus on what our true goal in life is so that we can have the ability to, for, to be forgiven by Hashem, of course, but also to forgive ourselves in a certain way. In other words, to let go of the burden of feeling that our past is inescapable, that our past has, has consigned us to a certain fate that we can't get away from. And, you know, in the Selichot it says, One of the poems in the Selichot says, What can a person give to you? when he is righteous, or if he does evil, what is a, a person doesn't affect Hashem, right? But his actions and his words are written in the, in the book of his own life. In other words, we are responsible. The book is the book of our lives that Hashem is writing. It's not really Hashem writing it, it's more we're writing it, and we're deciding to what extent our, the focus in our life is going to be Hashem. The focus in our life is going to be achieving, the, uh, fulfilling the potential that Hashem gave us. That's what it's all about. And no matter how burdened you feel by the mistakes of the past, no matter how much you feel that you're entrenched or you're lost in, uh, you know, in, in, the, uh, in the character that you've developed that maybe you're not happy with or the choices that you've made that you feel are... Um, were erroneous or weren't consistent with your values, you have the opportunity to renew yourself and to start fresh. Nothing ever, uh, the story is, no, is not over. There's a, there's a new chapter that opens up and there's a cleansing process of reconnecting to what's really important. And, to, and that's why it's, the key is you need to enter Yom Kippur with some teshuvah. You have to enter Yom Kippur with some teshuvah. That's why the Minchav Erev Yom Kippur is already saying the vidui and the confession because you have to enter it with a commitment for a better future. And then when you come to Yom Kippur, you're saying, I'm letting go of my past to allow this future to begin, to allow this new chapter to be written now. That's what the role of Yom Kippur is. It's to allow us to let go of the past by refocusing on Hashem with purity and with clarity so that our resolution for the new year is not burdened and interfered with by our past. And I'll show you that this appears, this idea even appears in the Yom Kippur prayer of Ne'ilah. Because in Ne'ilah it says that uh, when it talks about uh, the, the beautiful prayer of Ne'ilah, it says, we're, and I know I'm getting ahead of us by uh, a whole, for you, you know, uh, uh, se- several hours. We're not going to be to Ne'ilah for a while. But, um, 
But when we get there, what does the tefillah say? The prayer says that, um, that, it, that it, it mentions exactly what I had mentioned before. That what are we really, what is the significance of our lives? Um, what can a person give to you? Uh, you chose, you, you recognized human, human beings to stand before you. Because who's going to tell you what to do? If a righteous person is righteous, what good does it give you? In other words, Hashem doesn't have a motive here because you can't hurt Hashem or help Hashem. Hashem created us for whatever reason because who can ask Him why? Right? That's what it says. We don't know why. But what do we say? You gave us Yom HaKippurim. This is the Rambam's version because I'm reading out of the Rambam because my machzor is, uh, I, I couldn't find it before we started. But the point is that I'm reading from the Rambam's version but it's substantially the same as ours. That it says, What's the reason for Yom Kippur? So that a person can, can let go of the wickedness of their hands and return to do teshuvah. And that's what Yom HaKippurim is about. It's about allowing the person renewal, allowing the person the opportunity to start fresh by reconnecting with the values that are at the core of who we are. And so, Bezrat Hashem, the prayer is that we should all find within ourselves something. And as I always tell you, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Don't try to do it all. Don't try to... In one day, or in one Elul, or in one Aseret, don't try to completely reinvent yourself. Don't try to do a full overhaul. Don't try to make a commitment to do 25 different things, or to be perfect this year and this or that, because you won't succeed. You're setting yourself up for failure. Pick one area, pick one point where you know that you can push yourself beyond your comfort level a little bit in improving that area. One area. One thing that you're going to commit to that you can stand behind. And in the zechut of that step that you're taking forward, the year can be a better year. You can be inscribed for a better year in the zechut of that. Not because that's sufficient. We're never at the end of the line. We've never completed the process of teshuvan of growth. It's a lifelong process. It's a lifelong journey. But when you take a step in the right direction, you demonstrate that you're on the path. And you say to Hashem, I know what the ultimate is. I know what the absolute is. I know what I'm yearning for. I know what, my, uh, what, what, what the ultimate uh, objective is to serve Hashem shalem, with a full heart, with all of my energy, with every fiber of my being, to imitate the avot and the imahot that went before us, to be able to be on that level of perfection and ideal human function where everything we do is calibrated with the will of God and is in, in sync with Hashem's plan and design. I know that's the ideal. I'm not there yet, but I recognize that Hashem is the ultimate in how small I am. And I also know that I can take a step in the right direction, and because I'm taking a step in the right direction, Hashem is il rachum Hashem is so is so merciful and so gracious. He will allow me a completely new start for the coming year, based upon the fact that I've taken some steps in the right direction, committing for this year to be better. Um, substantial steps, meaningful steps, but any step in the right direction is something that tilts the balance, tilts the scale in the direction of positivity and goodness. And that's what you see, by the way, that what do we read at the end of Yom Kippur, at, towards the very end in Mincha? We read the story of Yonah. The story of Yonah 
is about the people of Nineveh. And without getting into Yonah himself, who tries to run away from his task as a servant of God, that's definitely part of the theme of Yom Kippur, not to do that, not to run away, not to escape, but to face reality head on. But what, are the, what happens to the people of Nineveh? People of Nineveh uh, hear that their destruction is imminent and they take upon themselves a fast and they, tear the, and, and, and they, they decide uh, you know, for three days to have days of introspection and to improve themselves and Hashem forgives them. Just the three days. Now we, don't, we know that the people of Nineveh did not become tzaddikim after that. We know the people of Nineveh did a lot of bad things after that. Because that was part of the, uh, the you know, that was part of the, a kingdom that was very wicked to the Jewish people in the future. But that small step in the right direction, Hashem saw it and Hashem gave them a, le- a new lease on life. Allowed them to wipe away their past and to start fresh, gave them the benefit of the doubt to chart a new course in life. And we see that again and again in Tanakh. Achav, one of the wi- most wicked kings in Israel, after he committed his worst sin of all, which was killing, uh, uh, killing someone uh, in order to take their vineyard, killing the vote in order to take his vineyard. Um, we know that right after that, when Eliyahu Navi confronts him, he, uh, t- he hears that he's going to be punished by Hashem, and he tears his garment, and he fasts. And Hashem says to Eliyahu Navi, do you see how Achav humbled himself before me? Therefore, I'm not going to punish, bring the punishment in his days. It will be in the next generation, not in his days. The rabbis say he only fasted for a very short time, an hour, a couple of hours, something like that. And yet still, the fact that he had a response of, I want to try a new direction. I want to commit myself to being better. I realize I'm not going in the right uh, way and Hashem is giving me a, an opportunity to respond and to change. That was enough to tilt the scales at least somewhat in his, in his favor. So Bezrat Hashem, we should all look into ourselves this last 24 hours that you guys have. For me, it's only 12 hours uh, just about. But uh, this last day that we have before Yom Kippur, um, to do a meaningful teshuvah, to make a commitment to a meaningful change that we can implement in our lives reasonably, and, uh, but a significant one, and to refocus on what the ultimate goal is. So we have our direction, we have our goal, we have our objective, we have our destination, and we focus on that and immerse ourselves on that, in that on Yom Kippur so that we let go. So we can withdraw from the bad things, withdraw from the negativity, withdraw from the misguided behavior and the misguided uh, and the character flaws that hold us back. And we can recommit ourselves to starting fresh. We can, Hashem will give us a new lease on life. We can give ourselves a new lease and a new opportunity to grow without having to ruminate and, and be obsessed with and feel guilty about our past. We can start fresh. We can start new. We can begin writing the chapter uh, of our, our next year uh, a brighter chapter, Bezrat Hashem, a better chapter, and a chapter that is filled with all the brachot of all the, of health and of happiness, of success and of uh, fulfillment, and of course of learning, continued learning together. And I wish everybody a gemar chatima tova that everyone should have a meaningful and a transformative Yom Kippur that should lead us all into uh, the best year yet. And I look forward to continuing to have these shiurim with everyone. It's so good to see, even if I don't see everybody on the camera, I see all the names and uh, I, I really feel uh, blessed that we're, we can be together in this virtual forum. Uh, hopefully sometime later this year, we'll be able to see each other in person too. But in the meantime, 
Uh, I'm very thankful for the ability to be able to continue learning with everyone. And I hope this was meaningful for everyone and that it's something that you can, uh, that can help enrich your Yom Kippur as you reflect on what it's really about. And, uh, and that we should, tr- we should all have a better, uh, brighter, and more meaningful and happier year uh, in, in the year ahead. Shana Tova and Chatima Tova.